Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 172 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam, and of course, I'm joined by Dave. What's up, dude? Oh, boy. What's up? There's a lot up, I guess. <laughs> you hanging in there, though? Yes. Hanging in there. Good. How about you? Barely. But I'm hanging, Barely. I suppose. All right. Barely hanging. But we're here. It is episode 172, and we have more of Hebrews to talk about. So why don't we get straight to it and uh, hear what the good book has to say? Sounds like a plan. All right, so we're going to do Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Yes. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses, who was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're, uh, the author tells the holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, which is like, I think, the Bible version of, have you met Ted? <laughs> of course, with very different uh, implications there, but still, it's quite funny that he's like, no, consider Jesus. Um, yeah. Which is just, I don't know, it makes me chuckle. Uh who was the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, which would be God, right? Mm-hmm. So he's setting Jesus out as an apostle, as a high priest, which he'll get into uh, as we read this chapter, and again in chapter 4, we'll get more into what the high priest is, so we won't necessarily explain it now because we'll have better opportunities to do so later. Um, he was faithful to God who appointed him. Okay, so he's setting the stage for who Jesus is very briefly, you know, faithful to God, uh, high priest, apostle. Okay, great. Just as Moses was also, also faithful in God's house. So earlier he was comparing Jesus to angels. Mm-hmm. Now he's comparing Jesus to Moses. Right. So we're getting into, you know, someone from the Old Testament, obviously. Um so just as Moses, who was also faithful in all God's house, so he's he's calling out Moses's faith and in, in his place in the history, right of of mm-hmm. um, God's kingdom and the special place that Moses holds due to the role that he played and the faith that he had. Uh, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So this is where you know the whole old covenant, new covenant shift comes, right? 
here's Moses. We know all the stuff that Moses did, all the things that God did through Moses, uh, you know, getting the people out of Egypt, getting, you know, them into, well, not quite to the, into the promised land, but in that general direction before he got angry and hit a rock. Um, yeah. But he says, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So why do you think it's important, or do you think it's important? I, I shouldn't ask a leading question. Sorry, counselor. Do you think it's important um, that he's making this distinction that Jesus is uh, more worthy or worthy of more glory than Moses? And, and why might he do that? Um, so, you know, I think, um, you know, we've kind of talked about who, who the audience is here and he's, he is talking to people that, um, one have probably held to their Jewish, Jewish, Jewish faith, um, waiting on the Messiah. These are people that are, are, are desiring to follow God. And, um, you know, just referring to them as, as holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling. Um, and, and so not only are they Hebrews who have followed God, but now that Jesus has entered into the scene, um, to some extent, his audience has probably decided to follow Jesus or made a decision to consider Jesus or that there's an element of what they grew up believing in the, in the Jewish faith being fulfilled through Messiah, who is Jesus. And now that some time has gone by, they're probably like wavering a little bit. Like, did we get this right? Did we like, we know what we grew up in our, in our Hebrew faith, our Hebrew tradition. And this Jesus guy comes on the scene and we accept him as the Messiah. Didn't go exactly the way we thought it was going to go, but we're convinced that he is who he says he was. We want to follow him. And now <coughs> that his time goes by, it's a little bit difficult to do the Christian thing. Not that they were necessarily Christians at this point, but this transition of their faith in terms of the of, of the Messiah coming in and and doing things, and so, um, more than likely, his audience is they're kind of going. You know, we know the law, we know the tradition, we know how to do things <coughs> before. And Jesus has come along and kind of shaken things up a lot for us, and. We thought we wanted to follow him, but now we're kind of like not so sure that this is what we want to do. And so I think the author is is trying to make this point of, all right, I get that it's easy to go back to the law. It's easy to go back to Moses. But what you need to understand is Jesus is everything that he said he was. And that is, he is God. He is the son of God. And that you know, in the same way that, um, the person who builds the house is bigger than the house, you know, Jesus is the creator. He was there from the beginning. Uh, he is the Messiah. And so I think it's, I think it's very important and very important that, um, 
Yeah, I guess that's the answer. I think it's very, <laughs> I think it's very important. Um, because he is trying to to redirect these people, you know, back to Jesus when they're starting to waver um, in their faith. And, you know, as difficult as the law was to follow, it's what they knew. And anything that you know, I would say, painting with a, a broad brush, it's, it's easier to do what you know, um, especially when you grew up in a tradition or, or believing something. Uh, than it is to kind of transition away from <clears throat> what you believe. And so he's making a logical argument to uh, consider Jesus. He's saying, take a look at him and who he is and what he did. And the fact that he is more important, that he holds a higher place than than Moses. Yeah, and he, you know, explains that, right? <clears throat> as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. Um, which is an interesting analogy. <clears throat> yeah. Cause I don't know that I'd always make that conclusion. <laughs> right. Well, I, so one of the, one of the, uh, things that comes to mind when I read that part, right. Is, you know, who Frank Lloyd Wright is. Yep. The architect oh, yeah. for some strange reason, he built a house here in Kankakee. Well, he's kind of from the Chicago area, right? Right, but he built one right on the river down here. And now it's a museum and all that stuff. Uh, it's really cool looking. But that, that to me is an example of, yeah, the house is really nice and it's unique looking and it's pretty cool. But and the only reason it has, the only reason it's a museum now and has mystique is because it's a Frank Lloyd Wright house. You know, none of the other yeah. architects that built the other houses around it, no one remembers who they are or even cares but because Frank Lloyd Wright built this house, it's special. It's one of a kind. It's, you know, it has mm -hmm. a, a mystique about it. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. But that's the analogy he goes with there. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Okay, so he's, he's making a connection to what he's going to say here in a few verses. <clears throat> that God is the builder of all things. So, so now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, right? So Moses did his job as a servant in the world, you know, in God's house, all the things that God has built. You know, Moses went and spoke before Pharaoh. Moses led the people out of Egypt. He led them across the, you know, the sea, into the desert, manna, all of that stuff. He, he did everything as a servant, even though, you know, he tried not to at the beginning. Well, I'm not a good talker and, you know, this, that, and the other right, thing, right? Yeah. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And so he differentiates here again, Jesus and Moses. Jesus, or Moses is a servant. Jesus is a son. And in, in that uh, work relationship, servant-master versus familial relationship, father-son, they're distinctly different relationships in the different, you know, positions, son and servant have different responsibilities and different authority and different power and different expectations. And so he's, he's not only saying, yeah, Jesus has more glory than Moses, but here's why. Cause Moses was a servant and he did his job incredibly well. And that's why we remember him. But Jesus is not a servant. Jesus is my son. So it's, it's a fundamental shift uh, or fundamental difference in between the two mm -hmm. the two people, and 
you know, to your point about talking to people that were sort of maybe in that transition phase of going with what they grew up to what this Jesus guy was all about, this has got to be, I mean, mind-blowing. You're telling me Moses, one of the, you know, the most famous people in the history of the people of God is just a servant, and this Jesus guy's a son? Like, that would have, <laughs> I think, resonated a lot stronger with them than maybe it even does with us. Right. Oh, yeah. Because of the culture that they lived in, where servanthood was still very much a thing, right? And the difference between mm-hmm. servant and family member was crystal clear in oh, yeah. probably 95 different ways, right? So by saying that Moses is the servant and Jesus is the son, it's putting Jesus on this whole other echelon uh, other than Moses, which would be a very bold statement to someone who's really familiar with Jewish faith and perhaps even still believes it, right? To say like, okay, calm down. Like, <laughs> Next, you're going to say that Abraham wasn't as big of a deal as Jesus, and then we're going to have to fight, <laughs> right? <laughs> which you know happens, of course, in many other places in the Bible. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and and this is where we get back to the the illusion in verse four, where it says, "For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God." Uh, he says, "And we are His house." if indeed we hold fast our confidence in our uh, boasting in our hope. So we're talking about, you know, the as much glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. Like God is the builder of us. We are the house. And, and while we have our own innate, you know, uh, beauty and purpose and like we, we bear the image of God. So we have our own glory in that way, but as much more glory God has because he is the builder of all of these houses. And I think that's a really interesting way to send home that analogy Mm -hmm. because it also puts us in our place. It's not just about Jesus and Moses now. Now it's about Jesus, Moses, and us and where, where we fit in that relationship. Yeah. You know, that, that God is the builder of us and the glory belongs to him because he is the builder of us. Mm-hmm. As a representation of his creativity and beauty and desire for you know life and relationship, and I, I find that very very interesting. Yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking at at what we're reading here, and I don't mean to get too far. Uh, what did I just do? I don't mean to get too far off the cor- off course. But we just read the first six chapters. Verses. Or six, six, <laughs> first six verses of chapter three. And this, this argument, this um, lifting up of Jesus and his importance, I think goes through all, and we don't, I'm not, I don't want to go there, but it goes through all of, of chapter three and into chapter four. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of therefores um, that we'll address in the, in the upcoming um, times that we talk. It goes all the way into chapter five. 
Does it? Yeah. <laughs> All the therefores and, mm-hmm. but, um, my, my, my thought on that and just of, of pointing that out is that the importance of who Jesus is and what he means to the Hebrew faith. And, you know, we specifically talked about Moses in this verse and you talked about Abraham. And I think Abraham's number one, Moses may be number two when it comes to <laughs> the Hebrew faith. David. Um, yeah. Um, but just the concept that Jesus is greater than Moses. Um, again, I don't think it carries the weight for us today as Christians, as people living in America, but the weight that that would have carried for, for people of the Jewish faith and um, wrestling with who Jesus is and, and the importance of him. Um, yeah, and I think especially for, you know, white guys like me and you, we we've never been enslaved. We've never been, you know, taken from our homeland and enslaved in a foreign land. We've never, you know, been dispersed in that regard. Uh, and so Moses as a symbol of liberation and Moses as a symbol of God acting in mm, time yeah. to free an entire people group from a tyrannical, you know, pagan empire and just everything that Moses was a symbol of was the freedom of God's people, God choosing his people again, God saving his people and giving them a new land and delivering that land from all of these other enemies, showing mm. his power in, you know, uh, history. It's, I mean, it's it's an absolutely huge argument to your point, right, that Jesus is greater than Moses. And I certainly think that, you know, folks that that don't have a history you know, of enslavement or um, tyranny or, you know, genocide or anything like Because there's, don't forget the genocide. Like, that was there too. Um, mm-hmm. All of the truly terrible things that humans could do to another was were, was done to the, to the Jewish people. And then Moses got them out through, you know, obviously being used by God. Yeah. So his his symbolic status as, you know this massive figure in in redemption history is i mean hard hard to surpass um you know in human standards so yeah absolutely jesus being greater than moses should be like earthquake style you know shattering of of expectations yeah and so it's it, it, you know there's really this kind of like you know um and again, I don't want to get too far ahead, but it, it, as as we were reading these these six verses, I was like, "Hmm, it just seems like there's got to be more for this." And there's like, as we as we continue in the future, there's certainly this element of kind of a warning uh, that's coming, and uh, things that, like you said, they were very aware of. Um being led out of slavery and then the 40 years in the wilderness. Yeah. So as you alluded to earlier, um, you know, Moses hit the rock out of anger and there's a, there's just a lot of things that occur um, 
in that 40 years of, of wandering, uh, in the desert. And so this is all kind of, I think, building kind of to a, don't make the same mistake again, (laughs) (laughs) you know, don't spend 40 years. Like here, here it is again. Um, the Messiah has come, God is speaking to us, you know, Moses was important and we could, we could withstand the 40 years in the desert, but like, let's not miss this one, uh, when it comes to Jesus. And, uh, it's a good point. You know, even it's just funny because my uh, kind of another tangent here, my wife and I were talking about what is sin and what's not sin. And I, I, I'm somewhat of the opinion that the Bible is vague on what is sin and what is not sin. And Interesting. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Interesting. Because and my, my point being in this, and I don't, I don't totally mean to go down this rabbit trail, but you know, we have to be obedient to God and what he is calling us to do. And for us to make a blanket statement that to hit the rock with a stick is a sin versus telling water to come out of it, you know, everybody look at you like you were crazy. Like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? But for Moses, that particular action was a sin, you know, because he, he was disobedient to God. He didn't do what God said told him to do, right? Uh-huh. He kind of took matter into his own hands and he did it his way and he hit the the rock with the stick instead of commanding the water to come out of the rock and ultimately prevented him from going into the promised land. He never actually got to go to the promised land uh, for, for that very, you know, small act. And I don't want to say sin is relative, but I do think there's an a, an element for all of us of when God tells us to do something or not to do something, I think we need to be obedient to that. Um, and just because it's not listed as a specific do or don't, um, something as simple as hitting a rock with a stick can become a sin. So I know that's kind of random <laughs> and uh, I hope it makes some sense to the folks that are listening, but, um, well, yeah, I feel better now that you've given context to <laughs> statement, but, but I guess my, my, just, just in, just in all of this of, I think we all have an individual responsibility to read the word, to seek God, to hear from him and to be obedient to him. And um, there's an element of that argument going on here and the bigger picture of um, let's not miss out on who Jesus is. Let's not miss out on salvation. Um, Go with what we know, go with what is easy. Cause that's really even what Moses did when he hit the, when he hit it with the, the stick, uh, the rock with the stick was he was doing what he knew he was doing what worked last time. And I think we all have a, a, a tendency to do that. And so um, I may be getting off into the weeds and <laughs> awful <laughs> philosophical here, but um, yeah, I, I, I just think we need to be diligent in our faith and not go with to what's easy and what we know. Uh, but to be in that relationship with God and to seek him and to hear him and know that there are some um, 
they're just some important moments that we need to make sure we don't miss out on. Indeed. Which I think is a nice segue there into that last part, right? It's to hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Um, you know, we just got to hang tight, you know? Easier said than done, oh, right? Oh, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, and uh, it's just for me lately, I, I you know, um, I, I've truly just had those, I, I've woken up um, in the middle of the night, just kind of going, um, 2020 has not been an easy year. I don't think it's been an easy year for anybody. And I've had those moments just in the middle of the night where I just have been like, God, I hope I'm doing the right thing because I really do want to be in heaven. Like I really do want to choose you and I really do want to spend eternity with you. And I know that I've chosen not to follow God. I've been blatantly disobedient and I'm just like, and I don't mean to be melodramatic in that because I think anytime we choose ourselves over God, selfishness, you know, that's a sin. But um, as I get older in life and closer to death than <laughs> I was 20 years ago, um, there just is that desire to God. I want to, I want to do the right thing. I want to follow you. I want to know you um, because I do want to spend eternity with you. So I know I've kind of been all over the map tonight. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine, man. I don't think you've been all over the map. In my opinion is what matters. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. All right. Um, I do think that does uh, wrap things up for us, though, in a nice, uh, loose, loosely tied bow. Because we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna keep going on this uh, train here for you know the rest of chapter three, four, and into five. Yeah. So we got a lot more to go. So um, consider this episode just whetting our appetites for uh, what the yeah, author of Hebrews yeah. has to say about Jesus. Uh, at least in the opening part of the book. So uh, the next couple episodes uh, should provide lots of really, really good um, stuff to talk about and discuss. So looking forward to it. Um, If you want to, dear listeners, find the show notes, you can look in your podcast app of uh, choice, or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 172. And there you'll find links to good stuff, uh, Twitter, email, phone, say hi, ask questions. I don't know. Share your favorite cat meme if you're so inclined. <laughs> uh, not sure how you would share a meme on a voicemail, but you could act one out, and that would be really funny. Anyways, uh, that's it for now. We'll be back next time. Um, ta-ta for now. Bye.